Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm Youngmi Mayer. And I'm Brian Park. And before we get to our guests, we're going to do our Patreon shout outs, like always. If you like the podcast, please support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash feeling Asian. We offer different exclusive benefits, but any donation amount gets you a shout out on the podcast where Youngmi and I guess who you are based on your name alone. Youngmi, are you tapped in? Yeah, I'm ready? so tapped in. I'm ready. People are get so are, excited about these, so I feel like I feel like I have to make it good, you know? <laughs> Our first shout out for this episode goes out to one name, Kazu. Oh man, I know this is sorry, but that just Say reminds it. me of like my favorite restaurant where Brian and I went to called Kazunori, the hand roll restaurant. <laughs> and I just want everyone I don't know if I said this yet, but I have not really eaten out with Brian that much. Like we hang out, but we rarely go to restaurants and we, I'm, I'm about to call Brian out. He's going to be upset. We went to this restaurant, right? And if anyone's ever worked at a restaurant as a host, which I have for years, you know, the, <laughs> you know, when somebody walks in and you're like, it's going to be like 15 minutes for a table. And then they say, well, why, why can't I just sit at that table? There's no one there. <laughs> And it's cause like there's a reservation or like and like and they think that they think that they're telling you the host something like I'm the host I know I know that there are open tables behind me <laughs> Brian Brian said that to the host and I was like oh no I'm with I didn't know Brian was that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did not know that about Brian. <laughs> so this is just a warning to everyone. If you have a friend and you care about them, make sure you go out to a restaurant and eat with them early on in your friend relationship. So you know that they're not that guy. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> He's like, I well, there's an empty chair right there. Why can't I just sit there? <laughs> In my in my defense, though, <laughs> there are definitely hoity-toity restaurants in New York where they won't seat us in a preferable seat because it's saved for reservations. This has happened to me multiple times, yeah, and those but- seats never get filled. Never get filled during the duration of the of our dining experience. And so, as a customer, I'm like, "Don't you want my money?" Why, like, who are you saving this for? Are you saving this for some stupid NYU filmmaker fuckhead who's not going to show up and spend his parents' money? <laughs> you spoken like a true person that's never worked in a restaurant. <laughs> well, I'm t- okay, so I have to say the host thing is that they're saving that for a reservation, but yeah. usually the, it is a better table because, you know, somebody made a reservation and, you know, who knows why no one showed up. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. Back to Kazu. Back to Kazu. Kazu Kazu is uh, the owner of Kazunori, notoriously the restaurant where I kind of gave the host a hard time in front of young me. A restaurant owner, Kazu. Yeah, this is Kazu. And then after work, he looked in the notes and it said, douchebag Brian Park came in. Oh, God. I'm just kidding. I don't like the um, way these shout outs are starting off, but regardless, Kazu, I love your hand rolls. Thank you for donating to the podcast. Our second shout out goes out to Erica Ligren. Erica, I, I fully. Sounds yeah. Swedish. 
Erica Ligren. Yeah. But I feel like she has dark hair. Like she's one of mm. those like Swedish people that randomly have brown hair. And it's biracial. like her thing. Oh, maybe she's maybe. biracial. Half yeah. Asian, half Swedish. That's, I'm getting that vibe. Well, do you think that in, in Sweden, if you have brown hair, you're like discriminated against? <laughs> you're like a full-blown POC? <laughs> wow, a non-blonde person. You, I'm sorry, I'm saving that table for a reservation. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's what happens to her when she goes to restaurants? I would yeah. like to think that they like you even more. Yeah, I think you'd probably. be a polarizing figure. There'd be people who would discriminate against you, but then there would be people who would fetishize you. If you had yeah, dark hair in Sweden. It's probably unique there. Yeah. You know, in Japan or in Korea, they they like white people. They're like so fixated or it's like, yeah. oh, wow, a white when person. When they see one, they're like, ooh, blonde hair, like that. Right. And so yeah, yeah. maybe Asian people are like that in Scandinavia. I could see like, that. Ooh, this is different. Someone who's not blonde ooh. hair, blue eyed. Someone under six yeah. foot tall. Yeah. So, someone who treats Ooh, their look. restaurant hosts with respect. <laughs> uh, I'm seeing that. I'm also seeing, I feel like she's wearing a sundress when she's going to listen to this. That just uh, might be because uh, the getting railed in a sundress tweet has been blowing up. <laughs> it's also, on my I mind. Go on, I want to go on the record. <laughs> Young me, you do this a lot. Like... <laughs> Let's say I do what? something that, that I, 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 I commit a transgression in front of you. You have an incredible poker face. You will, you're like a gay, a real G's move in silence. You won't say anything, but then it won't be until months later. Well, you'll be like, oh, remember when we were getting drinks at that one thing? Well, this little thing you did was really inappropriate. I'm like, why don't you just tell me during the moment instead of I, like storing it in a memory bank? <laughs> This is why, why, and I don't think a lot lot of people might, if you know Brian personally, you know this, Brian gets so hangry and it's scary. (laughs) And so you're so angry, you're so hangry. You're like, what can I, I want to eat, I'm starving. So at the moment I was trying to look out for my well-being. So I was like, I'm just going to tell Brian when he calms down. Uh, well, sorry. Time for our last shout out. Hopefully, I don't dig myself into a bigger hole in this one. <laughs> Thank you, Erica, for the donation. Last shout out for this episode goes out to Chris Crawford. Oh, Chris, so she's my friend. Chris Crawford, famously. She, my she friend. is your friend famously. who has hung out and eaten out with you many times yeah. and has never once never. treated the host disrespectfully. <laughs> Chris, wait, say say what you think. Say what you think about Chris, and then I'll tell you. I'll t- I'll tell you if you're wrong because I already know her. I can't really do. Uh, yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. So Chris is a creative. I'm gonna guess has dyed red hair, funky glasses. Is a creative director. Tattoos. And when she asks how long the wait will be, regardless of how much time the wait is, always thanks the host for their service and understands that what they do is a very difficult job. She's blonde, so okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, she does sometimes have funky glasses and she's very nice to wait staff because we met working in a restaurant like. 12, 13 years ago. So I'm assuming wow. she would never say, she would never say, wait, I see an open table right there. Assuming she would never, if she did, that would be funny. <laughs> 
Thanks for the money, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thank you for donating, Chris. And once again, thank you to our listeners for supporting the podcast. If you'd like to do so, you can do it at Patreon at patreon.com slash feeling Asian. And young me, speaking of restaurants and being mean to hosts, which I did because I was hangry. (laughs) I think it's time to introduce our wonderful guest this week. I'm so excited. This person definitely has never asked the host, has never said to a host, wait, I see an open chair right there. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Oh my God. Well, listeners, you're in for a fantastic treat. This week's guest is a chef and owner of a restaurant, Zef Barbecue. And he's also your grandma's favorite grandchild. Everyone, give your ears (laughs) to Logan Sandoval. Yeah, what's up, you guys? What's up? Logan, <laughs> Logan, John have you yes, ever told a host? <laughs> have you ever said, wait, there's an open chair right there? Why can't I just sit there? Never in my <laughs> life. <laughs> uh, Brian, I love you. <laughs> I appreciate Were you. Were you dying? That was, that was a hard list. I was dying. A little oh bit my on, God. A little bit on the inside. Restaurant many, people. Because yeah. I, I mean, that's literally all we are is restaurant people. And we all know it and it all sucks and it all hurts and it's all brutal. And I would never ask a host. Is that a very specific <laughs> that type open. of person to ask that? Like what's the, what percentage of people are the type to do that? Are we saying like 50%? I would 10%. I would say 50% because if you've never worked in a restaurant, like I, your ignorance is bliss. (laughs) Truly. Like I, I I really appreciate the ignorance, but if you've ever worked in the restaurant, any type of restaurant, doesn't matter if you worked in a Denny's or a Michelin star restaurant, like, it, it, you know how hard it can yeah. be. In, in Brian's defense, I have to say there are lots of jobs that I haven't had and I do fucked up shit. Like, and then my friends will tell me that that's fucked up. Like my friend who's like, yeah, like Same. she, she cuts hair and like, sometimes like I will say something to my barber and, and my friend will be like, ah, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Or like a re- so Same. I'm, same, no, same. honestly, like I don't know. I mean, yeah. cause this is all, this is all I've ever, that's, this is all I've ever yeah. known. So like, other different jobs. Everyone has their own struggles and, 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 and push through. So like, I, I get it. Well, I get it. Uh, speaking, so, you know, young me and I were both podcasters and I was thinking like, what is a transgression one can do to a podcaster? And I actually experienced it kind of recently, young me. This is probably, what? you know, restaurant, working in restaurants, notoriously difficult. So many fucking assholes who just are disrespectful. I, I want to go on the record and apologize. I was very hangry. I should not have said that to the host, <laughs> but I was... The industry forgives <laughs> you, Brian. The industry forgives you. I was at a, um, at like a rooftop gathering, young me, yeah. with, uh, uh-huh. you know, there were, it was with people who I had not met before. And it was a bunch of Asian people and they were like, you do that thing with young me. I love young me. You have that podcast. And they were like talking yeah. about the podcast and there was a Sono speaker there. And then yeah. they started playing the podcast through the speaker <laughs> during this, like, I literally <laughs> wanted to jump off of the roof. <laughs> <laughs> That is That's making me want to kill myself. That is the. I'm so sorry, Brian. I'm so sorry. That sounds oh the like. That's fantastic. Oh my God. They're like, I've never heard it. What's it about? And they're like skipping through, and it's just like clips of you and me being like, I'm fucking sad. 
killing the vibe. <laughs> oh my god, that is so bad. So if I you're listening, god. do not ever do that to a podcast host. <laughs> don't don't, oh don't play. You guys don't like being put in blast oh like that? God. Just now I'm parties. realizing what a dick I was. I, no. Basically, I did the, I did the equivalent of going up to a DJ and like asking them to play a specific song while they're in the middle of like a set. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I was play levels. <laughs> I was that. Play le- Avicii levels. Play levels. <laughs> play That's play all chain you'd hear smokers. For a year. <laughs> chain smokers. Um, I want to hear marshmallow. I see a table right there. So, do you mind? Like, can I speak to your manager? When I I moved here from San Francisco, and when I lived in San Francisco, everyone was like, "Oh, New Yorkers are so mean." But actually, like, the people are kind of generally like more pushier here. But because of that, people are the wait staff is like way more open or accommodating to like shitty behavior. Yeah. And like mm. like if you if yeah. Brian did that like in San Francisco, the host would be like <gasps> like just fucking throwing a hissy feet. But like in New York, like they're used to like So I actually made crazy her day shit. by asking so like, by question. Yeah. I, I, I that was the best part of her day. You <laughs> tougher her up. Yeah. That was yeah. the nicest customer. <laughs> that was that was a nice gesture that I did was pointing out that there was an empty table. <laughs> If you did that here in LA, she would have been in the corner like crying. In New York, they're um, just like, whatever, everyone's it's mean. Different here. <laughs> they just roll with it. Yeah. Well, Logan, we're so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank Before you. we ask you how you feel, young me, how are you feeling? Oh God. I don't know. I don't you know, I'm I'm like in a good mood these days. I'm in a good mood, I have to say. I, I have been one thing post pandemic and not not that we're I not that we're post pandemic, but you know what I mean? Like now that we're going out and stuff, um, I, I'm like, I just don't like people. I never, I never liked people. And it's not that I don't, I'm, let me rephrase that. <laughs> Logan was like, yeah. And then I was like, no, no, yeah, never mind. That's yeah. not what I, that's not I what I meant. People. <laughs> <laughs> I hate people too. Let me, fuck people. No, let me rephrase it. I, I like people. Generally, I feel like I'm like the, my personality, I can get along with most people. Even if they're like saying stupid shit, I like, I don't mind people, but I don't like social situations because I feel like anxious and like, just like, like I feel uncomfortable. And that was me always since birth. Mm -hmm. But after the after quarantine, now that I'm going out and like going to bars, I've like, that has like dropped significantly in me. Like I'll just go mm. usually like my instinct when I walk into like a bar or someone's house or a party or something is like my gut feeling is like, ew, oh, I hate it. Oh, like I'm scared. But now yeah. I'm just, I'm like walking into places like ah, I'm going to have, f- I'm ready to have fun. Like I'm just like so <laughs> comfortable. I don't feel scared or sad or anything i'm just like so like thirsty for human interaction you know yeah so yeah so now i'm like in a really good mood because i'm going out and i'm just like wow i get to like go to a dive bar with my friend and there's like creepy guys like talking to me and this is kind of weirdly (laughs) fun like i don't know so i'm just like in a really good mood how about you, it. Brian? <laughs> <laughs> How um, are you feeling? I mentioned this before, but I'm going to visit my family in Texas uh, pretty soon. However, I have my mom and my sister are coming to New York uh, oh. for a week, and then I'm flying to Texas with them. Um, so I'm feeling a little bit anxious because my mom will be in town for a week, and. 
I'm really excited to see her, but I also know that I don't know. It's almost a rite of passage every time we hang out that there's going to be some like one at least like there's always like one tense moment where yeah, you know, like I'm going to be upset about something will upset me or there will be tension between us. Uh, but you know, fingers crossed. Hopefully, it'll be smooth sailing. But you know how you know how Korean moms be. Um, they they will find a way to they will craft a shiv out of the most rudimentary materials and they will stab a hole into your <laughs> emotional well being and um, it's short lived <laughs> but I'm a little bit anxious because I'm like oh god oh, well, let's see what's let's see what it's gonna be this time I don't what know if you can gonna, relate to that <laughs> yeah what is she gonna say I feel like my mom makes says something about my body that I've never even considered and then I get really <laughs> like she'll be like mm, your your hair oh. is really your hair is tooth like rubbery or something <laughs> random and I'll be like do I have rubbery and then rubbery I'll start spiraling hair. or it's just something yeah. weird like your feet no, I know, look dry I know, or something. Yeah. you know what I think I'm gonna get ahead of it I know exactly what it'll be you know I made it we're gonna be what? at a restaurant we're going to be yeah. waiting for food Stop. and the host will be like, it's going to be 30 minutes. And I'll be like, okay, great. Thanks. We'll wait. And then I'll come back and my mom will be like, why didn't you question them? You know what? This is your problem. You lack assertiveness in your life. You should tell them and point out that there's empty tables there. God, you can't do anything right. <laughs> oh, so now you're happen. blaming that on your mom. You're saying your that's, mom that's, taught you that. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. I've been like, shit, I should have, I, sh I knew I should have pointed out the empty table to the host, but instead this is what I get in return. How about you, Logan? How are you feeling? I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. I'm, um, I am tired though. I'm very tired. Just a lot going on, a lot of moving parts with like the business and everything else, but things are going well and it's, it's just, it's been a, it's been a whirlwind, but I'm excited and I'm super happy to be doing what I'm doing and I'm excited to be here. So I'm, I think I'm doing pretty well. I'm feeling good. Are you super busy? Tired. Um, your, your, um, business is like blowing up, right? Is that yeah, what you're, yeah, and it's just and it's literally just like my wife and I, Anna, my wife and I, wow. and we have a five-year-old daughter, Nalani. She just turned five, um, so it's like it's part of trying to be one and two business owners, and then one and two husband and wife, and then one and two friends, and then one and two like you know parents. So it's 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 tough. It's it's a lot to handle, but we do a good job of it, I think. And we kind of switch responsibilities. Like right now she's in San Diego getting her like tattoo done and I'm here working mm -hmm. on stuff for the business and stuff. So it's like, she just got back from Europe. Lucky woman. She got to go to Paris <laughs> and, and a, a wedding in Greece and she had a great time, which was absolutely awesome. Um, and Nalani and I kind of just hung out here and we went to the zoo and we went to deep sea fishing and just did a bunch of like daughters dad stuff um mm. and then it was straight back into fourth of july weekend which is huge for barbecue and so just i'm i'm tired i'm good but i'm i'm tired <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just so hard what having like working and then having a kid it's like yeah endless. i mean you get yeah you you get it you understand it's just and it, especially as they get older it's funny because like people always talk about how like when they're younger, that's the hard part. Like the terrible twos, terrible threes. No, it's after they break three and they have to be entertained and you have to like be on them all the time. Cause now they're turning into little human beings and they're, you try, you want them to be functional, great people for society. And that takes a lot of work in itself yeah. on top of doing like everything wow. else that's on your repertoire. Yeah, I know. Right. That your sounds... face is the way I feel. 
Well, Logan, um, (sighs) this is for our people watching on YouTube. You are... You just you are a man, like a manly man. You have this giant beard. You have this long, luscious hair. You're I, like Jason, strong so, Jason, strong so Jason Momoa right vibes. <laughs> and um, you know, and in appearance, uh, you do look ethnically ambiguous. And mm. um, the reason why I bring that up is that growing up, you didn't know you were multiracial. And part no. Asian. Like when we, we have, just we talked a- to you, you said that you were told that you were fully white. And then yeah. at one point you were half black. And yeah. then you finally learned you were part Japanese and Hawaiian at the age of 22. Yeah. What can you, how can you start <laughs> right, kids, tell us go. all about that? Bring it in kids, bring it in for the real one. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so like basically long story for a short story. I grew up in a very, um, a, a very like middle-class area of Southern California. It's Simi Valley. We actually live here again now. Um, we're about 40 minutes from downtown Hollywood and about 30 minutes from like downtown LA without traffic. Um, mm-hmm. so I guess you could, would consider it like the suburbs of Los Angeles. So that's where I basically grew up my entire life. Um, with my, with a single mother. And so for the first chunk of my life, the first 22 years of my life, I just assumed and just knew that I was like just another, just another white dude from Simi Valley, just another bro that wore, um, Mm. affliction, well, affliction wasn't around then, but like no fear. And I had high black socks and I wanted to own a lifted (laughs) truck, you know, like I wore a black filled cap, you know, and I'm pretty sure I consider myself a fucking peckerwood at one point. Cause that's just, that's just what the area like was, you know, and it just, And it still is a lot like that, which is unfortunate. Um, but we can get into that a little bit later. But it's a very like middle class white America suburb in like Southern California. So we still surf, we still like have that Hollywood, but it's very closed in. Like in my high school, I think there was two black kids. There wasn't a whole lot of ethnic kids. Mm. Um, so it's like basically like fifty percent Hispanic and fifty percent white here in Simi Valley. Yeah. And then my mother's second husband, where I get the last name Sandoval from, mm-hmm. um, he was ha- he is half Mexican and half Apache. So he's Native American. I, this is, just try to keep up with me on this, okay? Mm-hmm. He's <laughs> half Mexican and yeah. half Native American. And so yeah. he and my mother got married when I was not eight or nine or ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And they were married until I was like 17. So I did a lot of my growing up in a Hispanic home. So a lot yeah. of my early like culinary experiences, a lot of my early cultural experiences were Mexican. And then I would just tell mm. people at school. And so, cause yeah. Sa- Sal, my mom's husband adopted my brother and I, mm-hmm. and that's why we have the last name Sandoval. Right. Okay. So, and like our birth name was Voorhees. So right. th- th- not to backtrack, that was my that was my mother's first husband's last name, my brother's right. father. And yeah. so grew up thinking he was my father. And then and she was white. Some, yeah. Your, yeah. Your, white your mom's is the first day. husband was white. And so you thought that was your father. And so you thought you were just 100% white. Yeah. And because he left yeah. when we were mm-hmm. so young, the, my yeah. mom has maybe like a handful of pictures of him and stuff. And he just looks like a typical, right. like, you know, white dude, but he met my yeah. mother right. for, during Olympic trials for powerlifting in Northern California. Okay. Wow. Um, my mom never went to Olympics, but she was a, like, she was a pretty, she was a high, um, a, like, a, she she competed at a high level, mm-hmm. at, at the national level and stuff for powerlifting. Um, wow. 
And then she had me, and then my brother was born. Um, and then Jeff, my brother's father, left. We moved down here to live with my mom's parents here in Simi Valley. My mom met Sal at Color by Deluxe, which is a company that used to pack, print, and ship movie reels in Hollywood. And it was Union. It was the first time my mom ever had a good job. She was able to save up money. She bought a she bought a fucking house. Like it was a true blue like single mother American dream when we were like super small. And the house is literally like four blocks like that way, which blows my fucking mind. Wait, so can we? Yeah, can I ask you? So you thought you were white because you you thought your mom's first husband was your dad, who's your brother's dad, and then and then what what led to you discovering that you were like were not white? Like when did they tell you that? So my my mother and my mother Natalie and Sal divorced when I was seventeen. He had an affair with a family friend. All the shit went Uh down. Blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah, it was fucking crazy. Um, he foreclosed the house because he pulled out a bunch of money to go marry his new wife. Like this shit was like literally like a fucking like my mom tells me all the time. She's like, can you write a memoir? I'm like, I don't think the world's ready for this shit. Mm. But they are ready. <laughs> but we're listening he now. Pulled, he pulled out the full equity line of the house. It got foreclosed yeah. until my mom like we got uh-huh. evicted. Um, we were living in and out of a car and with some friends for a little bit, and then mm-hmm. my my mom's husband now, Mike kind of just like pulled us in and we basically slept on his couch for like, like six months. And then yeah. he built on two rooms for my brother and I, the guy, the guy's a, a freaking saint, you know, just like yeah. a, a fantastic guy. We lived there. I graduated high school. I did MMA for a little bit, started going to culinary school. And when I was in culinary school, when I was 22, my mom came to me. I was like, Hey, can we talk? And you know, 22, like you're running around, you're doing stupid shit. You're being an idiot. Like I was right. like, oh, fuck, like what am I in trouble for? Like, you know, like yeah, what did yeah. I do? It was like legit, like right before I was about to like walk out the door for, for work. And dude, she like sits me down and just like basically just like spreads out this yarn of like how you were uh, basically <laughs> an affair baby. <laughs> wow. You, you, you were born out of wedlock or not, not even wedlock at that point. Like I had an affair with this man, Charles, oh, during, wow. during, during powerlifting training during like that time of my life. <gasps> and you were born. And we just kind of just, I, I, she's like, I kind of just went with it. And I was like, Oh my God. I was like, Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> you're like, I'm Asian. I had to find out I was Asian through like my own, my own, um, kind of like research and like development What? because, because Whoa. so I guess my father, I've never seen a picture of him, but I've done the research and, and you know, my mom had enough information on him that I could finally like track him down. And yeah. get the information, and I talked to a couple of like his sisters and stuff. They weren't very forthcoming, um, but they gave me enough, you know. But because my father was so dark, my mother assumed that he was black. So at first, oh. so she said that you're half black. So your mom, yeah. so your mom didn't even. She just knew what he looked like. This was so. a dude that she. This was a dude she had been hanging out with for like a month. It was during wow. camp. Blah blah wow. blah. Yeah, and so it was one of those things that like. I mean, you want to talk about fucking like skeletons in your closet. Like she just fucking like put that <sighs> shit up and under. And I don't know what eventually like pushed her to, I mean, cause like, obviously like I can't, like if you look at my brother and if you look at me, we're yeah. polar opposites. Like my brother's six right. foot six. Yeah. He has blue eyes. He has like, like very light hair. And it was one yeah. of those things where like, I look at like baby and like kid pictures and I'm like, yeah. right. 
no, like, I know this was the 80s, but no one asked. Like, no one, no one was like, hey, dude, like, like, hey, that's, uh, especially, like, living in, like, Northern California, up in, like, Clear Lake, like, Humboldt area. I mean, it's wider up there than it is down here. And it's, and, like, I asked my my mom, I was like, no one's just like, hey, you know, that's, you adopt him? Like, where's he from? I'm imagining your family, like, the rest of your family is, like, very Swedish-y, like, six foot six, blonde, and then it's just, like, you. Well, that's, that's the thing, though, because, and that's what kind of, like, made it easier, because, like, my grandfather on my mother's side was very dark-skinned. He, um, I believe, like, if it boils down to it, I think he's, like, very Mediterranean, like, very Mm. Greek, Italian, like, did construction, like, his entire life, all the way from, you know, moving yeah. from the San Fernando Valley and stuff. So he was always out in the sun. So he was, he was hella tan all the time. And your, so was my grandmother. Your gran- yeah. Your grandpa sounds hot. Like, he, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. It's my perfect. long running joke. Wait, Logan, so, so yeah. when you, when you made these multiple discoveries about your own personal identity, did that evoke or elicit any changes in you? Like uh, after those discoveries? Dude, it's, it's wild. And I, and after our first conversation too, I kind of like, I started like thinking about it. I gave it a little bit more like clarity and I gave it a little bit more time in my own Uh head. And when I was younger, I fucking loved anime. I loved Dragon Ball Z. Like some of my first (laughs) tattoos were were Asian inspired tattoos. And there was a small part of me when I was younger that like, because Simi Valley is so white and because it is so just like, it's very one note. I feel like a lot of people, including myself here in Simi Valley, like you want to be different. You always want to be different, right? You want to be, mm-hmm. you want to, you want to be different than like the social norm. And so right. like it had started as like me telling people that I was Hispanic because it just, it, mm. it fit the, it, it fit the narrative, you know, like my dad's um, Mexican, right. my last name is Mexican. If anything, people yeah. are going to think I'm Filipino, but I, I would just yeah. tell people like, yeah, I'm half Mexican. I'm and half white. That was before your mom told you that you were half black mistakenly. This years, you. this years, yeah, this so years. Before that, yeah. you were just telling people that you're Hispanic already. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that just, makes sense. Because yeah. that's what it. Because that's what it. That's what it like. Technically, on my birth certificate, that's what it said. Right. You right, know? right. And I actually ended up getting money from the state for culinary school because of my Native American heritage because I was adopted. Mm. Right. So like I got grants. I mean, I also did a lot of research and a lot of footwork into it. Um, but I tried because we didn't have a lot of money for me to go to culinary school. I I jumped through all the hoops. Like I'm still paying the fucking loans, and I'm 32. Yeah. But I jumped through a lot of hoops and I did a lot of research. And so that's just like that was kind of like my identity. I never like deep dived into it. I was never one of those type of people who. Um, yeah. Where I was like, I was just like out in the open. I was just like, I'm Mexican, like Mexican pride, blah, blah, blah. I was like, what though? I did wear fat farms and baggy jeans and a big white t-shirt because, and, and apparently, yeah, picked my head, you know, shaved my head down, you know, right. it was, because it was just all like, the, all the Koreans were doing uh, that when I went to school. So <laughs> I guess apparently they were all Mexican. This is so interesting. Well, okay. So in your head, I guess like, Maybe there was a part of you that was like, even though your mom said you were fully white all your childhood, there's a part of you that you're like, I'm not, I'm not, I feel like I'm not. And then like getting back to Brian's initial question, like what was like going on inside your head? Like when you first, when your mom told you that you were part black and then later on when you discovered you're actually Asian and Hawaiian or Japanese and Hawaiian, like what was the journey in your head? 
it was kind of wild just because of the fact, and it's funny too, because I mean, I've talked to, a, I've talked to a lot of therapists about it. I've, yeah. I've done the footwork. I've, I've, I've always tried to work on myself and you know, that, that song and dance, but I mean, it really wasn't that huge. It was more like affirming mm. knowing that mm. I was mm. no, like knowing that I was always different. You know, I, I fucking yeah. knew it. Yeah. I fucking, you know, I don't care. I if knew I, it. <laughs> I knew it all along. I'm not gonna, dude. I'm not gonna lie. I was like, I'm fucking half black. I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. That's the coolest thing you can be. You know? I was like, fuck. I was like, that's fucking awesome. Um, I also, but it was also one of those things where like I hate, I like, I don't hate Senior Valley, but Senior Valley is very white and very whitewashed. I was like, the more weird I can be, I was like, the more fucking power. But honestly, yeah. like when my mom first told me that, it didn't even like. I mean, the black thing left me left me shook because it, it was even more confusing because I grew up my whole life knowing that I wasn't the same as everyone yeah. else. Yeah. But then to have like that kind of bomb dropped, it's just like, like mom, that's a, that's like a reach. <laughs> you know, that is a that is a that is a yeah. reach. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I we finished up and I told my mom I loved her and I told her that I wasn't mad and I told her that it would have been different if we would have sat down and she would have been like, "You're adopted." I'm not your real mother. I, my world would my world would have crumbled. But because I have mm. I had so little relationship with Jeff, and mm-hmm. because then he was interchanged with Sal, it right. was almost just like cool. Like like my yeah. mom has always been the one constant in my life for my entire life. You know, right. I've had right. grandparents and parents come and go from you know the father's side, and we don't really speak yeah. to my mother's side of the family anymore just because of family bullshit. So it's yeah. like. My mom has always been my rock, and so is my brother. I mean, mm-hmm. my relationship with them, excuse me, it changed absolutely nothing. You know, yeah. it was just, it was just more of that that head talk and that headspace of being like, I'm not gonna lie, like I really didn't even think about it for like two days. Mm. I went to work. Mm. I told my coworkers, I was like, yeah, uh, my mom kind of dropped some fucking news on me today, and they're just like, what? <laughs> it's just like, oh, yeah. fucking, like mind blowing. You know, and it, and it took me, and like my stepbrother, Mikey, who I have a great relationship, he was like yeah. the same way. We were just like sitting in the room and I'm pretty sure we were stoned. And he's just like, bro, like you're black. I'm like, yeah, man. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> what was the process of you? You said that you researched your, your biological father and then you yeah. eventually found out that you were actually Japanese and Hawaiian. So and that, yeah, how that did you feel be, then? Then, was like the then next, you're like. Yeah, that's the, you that's like the send next. back your like Black Panthers like membership yeah, card yeah. like sorry. I sent all sorry, my Black Panthers stuff back. I sent back all. <laughs> Thinking back that. to when you were stoned, you're like, yeah, hell yeah, I'm half black. I'm fucking sick. I just sick. see you taking off the Black Panther hat like all bald, like, like, like never mind. <laughs> no, like, and it's gonna it's, it's super lewd and it's super shitty. But like, no, when like my mom was like, I was like, man, yeah. there's a lot worse things to be you know like i was like yeah i know i know it would leave a lot of like white america just like oh my god like I'm, what I, but i was like fuck yeah dude like hell yeah like more more heritage more culture than i ever thought i'd ever have you know yeah. but anyway mm-hmm. so that happened and it, was, it probably was about like a month after and i was just like Okay, because I was really wrestling with the fact, like, do I like do I want to deep dive into this? Do because there was a big part of me that just wanted to be like fucking let it uh, just like literally like Elsa, just let it go, just fucking just leave it behind. It doesn't matter. You you are still who you are. You're still the same person. You're still your same mom. Still your same you know stepdad. Like nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. You've gone 22 years not knowing, but kind of knowing, and now Mm. it's affirmed. Like what else do you want? You know, like what else? What else could you could you need? 
And so I thought about it and it took me a lot of time. And it's like, I never, like, I haven't even told like my mom that I like reached out and like, like started searching for him. Cause oh, it was just one of those, well, cause I didn't want her because like, I never wanted to take anything away from her. Like once again, mm. not to like side panel, but like my mom was always there for me. She raised my brother and I, she fucking bent over backwards. She killed herself. She was a single mom living in a shitty part of California. You know, like she went through hell and back for my brother again. And I didn't want to take anything from her parenting by searching out this other dude mm. who had no fucking, who had no, right. who, who literally just lack for a better term. I know it's my mother, but like bust the nut and dipped. You know what I mean? Like he just fucking right. like, but it's, it's, it's the truth though. You, you know what I mean? And my mom, my mom had said that she had reached out to him when yeah. she was younger. And when I was first growing up and stuff, and he, he just was just straight, like, not nah, like, oh, he's like, really? not nah, like, yeah, like oh. get a DNA test. And she's like, look at him. Just, <laughs> you know? just look. Look at this little fucking I don't, guy. Want, I don't want, I don't want to be offensive, but he likes anime. <laughs> He's five and he's already wearing a size eight. Like he's. Dude. What I, else was the oh, thing too? We're like it's like the Mori meme. You know, it's like surveys. The results came back. You, you are not are, the. Fun. Look at him. Look at look, yeah. look. But it's like it's wild too. And this, I mean, and the other thing too is like it's all kind of like taken with like a grain of salt because my mom doesn't have any pictures of him or anything, but she said she, he looked like the dude from. Um, from uh from Ghostbusters. Ernie Hudson? Yes, Ernie Hudson. Hmm. Ernie Hudson, handsome man. But she said much younger, no mustache, lighter complexion, um, but yeah. was like basically like around the same like build, the same look. She did say he did have a little bit more um Asian features. But hmm. I mean I really right. didn't take anything like when when she says it's that person, I mean yeah. you just you just assume. But then so she gave me his, his name and like, I want to say his full name on the podcast, but, but his name was Charles so-and-so. Um, and he worked at a certain company here in California and that's where like right. I started and that's like, I knew where he like lived in his area. And so I, I swear to fucking God, I started Googling. I just started wow. Googling and I Googled wow. and I Googled and I dug through shit and I narrowed it down. And then I found a Charles with the same name, wow. sent an email, never heard anything back, sent an email never heard anything back and then the third email i sent because i mean this is over the course of like six months too yeah like it it right. was one of those things where like it, but it was on the third email where like i got the uh the like the this email doesn't exist kind of thing so he basically like yeah. blocked me and it was a very simple email it was very <gasps> put together it was just like hey look like wow my name is logan i i spoke to my mother about her name is natalie at the time her natalie was her name was natalie Voorhees. blah 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 mm -hmm. Um, you guys trained together at the Olympic Center in Northern California. And it was just very short, tight, just very to the point. If you would like to reach out, if you'd like to talk. And like after the, I didn't get the first email back, I should just let it go. Truly. I should, I should mm. just, I should just, I should just let it go. But he basically like blocked me and I never heard. So then I fucking, what, did, what does any good millennial do? You jump on Facebook and you start fucking going and you start looking. I couldn't find his Facebook but I found a sister's Facebook, which she's now yeah. passed. Um, and so I straight up like messaged her on Facebook and was like, hey, look, this is what like kind of is like the Jimmy Jam. This is yeah. who I am. I don't know if he's ever said anything. Nah, 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 nah. And she didn't message me back for like three weeks. And when she did finally message me back, she's like, hey, um, 
I understand what you're going through. I know what you're looking for, this kind of thing. But he politely asks, you know, to just be left alone. He has a family now, this, that, and other thing. And I was like, I was honestly like, cool. I was like, that's all I fucking needed to know. That was all I fucking needed to know. Cause like now I can just like let it go. You know what I mean? But I was like, hey, do me a favor. What is like kind of like the family his? And I pitched it to her as like, I just want to know for my future kid and for my future thing, like, what is, I'm like, what is my ethnic, like, who am I? Like, it's that fucking Jackie mm. Chan movie. Like, I was right. like, yo, like, can you just like, I don't, I was like, I don't want any information about him. I don't want any information about his family, where he fucking yeah. lives, his phone number. I was like, <laughs> yo, like, who, like, are we, who am I and how does this like fit in? She, and she prefaced every single like Facebook message. I mean, I deleted him a long time ago, but she, right. pre, she's like, um, in no way, she had it like written out and she would copy and paste it into the top. And I think it's because mm-hmm. like, if I'd ever like lawyered up, but she's like, there's an, any, no, any, and there's no capacity that I'm admitting Charles relationship to you. Uh-huh. Which, oh, and, and I mean, wow. like, I know, like I see the look on your guys' faces and yes, it's fucking awful. And I mean, fucking whatever, but to have it that clean cut helped me so much more then if it would have yeah. been muddy, because if I fucked you, if, if I would have met him or if I did find out where he lived and he was like, yeah, let's me like, I don't know what that would have done to my mom. Uh, I don't yeah. know what that would do to my brother. You know, it, it's, right. it's, yeah. it's or even how you would react, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so then she you, wrote, wrote you walk this up weird. And punch, oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, I mean, do you walk up and punch him? Do you fucking walk up and hug him? Do you fucking mm. spit in his face? Like, do you If you're crying? Korean, all of the above. That's <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> Korean. You ever see those, like, long-lost Korean, like, reun- reuniting yeah. shows? Where, and, like, it's just, and it's intense. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so she, she would write this weird legal jargon, and then she said your ethnic, their ethnicity or something. Yeah. And that's how you found out. Yeah. Okay. She was like, wow. Charles's father... And now you're on feeling Asian. Yeah. (laughs) Charles' father is from Okinawa. Wow. Charles' mother is from Hawaii. She's like, um. Wow. And so, like, they grew up there. She didn't give me a lot of information, but she's like, these are basically your ethnicities. She's like, it's been kind of um, watered down a little bit because I guess my, it could be my grandma. She never said she was my grandma. She's like, my mother is uh, Hawaiian, but she's also mixed because she's older on the islands she's also mixed with some other like tr- like like island ethnicities and we're not yeah. sure what it is because like after like you know the 1900s mm-hmm. and everything was getting like shifted around i guess yeah. my grandmother's line of of or my would be grandmother's line of uh family comes directly from the island and then Ooh. i don't know much more about charles's father yeah mm-hmm. and then so i i wow. thanked her for her i thanked her for her time and I, I i was like i really appreciate it and like i said like she didn't give a lot but mm-hmm. it was enough for me to be like okay like I, I can literally not like not cut it out of my life because it'll always yeah. be part of my life it'll always be an experience and i will tell right. my daughter about it one day when she's like yeah. daddy daddy why is our family so fucking weird like well let me tell you. Let me tell you, <laughs> you know? weird. Get ready. Well, can I just wow. say, I know you were saying, I know you were saying when you were a kid, you were like, oh, like I was like, I felt like I was really white passing, but I feel like as a biracial person, we have really good like biracial radar. And also yeah. I grew up, you know, in Micronesia around a lot of like, you know, like not only Micronesians, but like Polynesians, etc. I feel like I could have fucking, if somebody asked me, I would have been like, I think that you're like white. 
Japanese, <laughs> specifically Okinawan and Hawaiian. <laughs> I feel like you guys are I feel like you look so like-, like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you have the answer to this, but this is just something that's rattling in my head. And that is I meet people who are artists and they have like a really unique name. And there's a theory for it called nominative determinism where, you know, if you go around New York and like, hey, my name's Skylar, I'm a fine artist. Mm. I feel like when you're born with like a unique name, mm. like you're, that means your parents are the type of people to pride individuality. They give you this unique name. You're raised with this unique name yeah. and then you become an artist because you like, it becomes reaffirming. You're like, I am a unique person. My name mm. is Skylar. Like my, I'm yeah, unique. Yeah. I'm different. And so I'm Asian. I got teased a lot for being Asian. I got thrown a lot of, I experienced a lot of discrimination for being Asian. People thought I was very effeminate. Yeah. The list goes yeah. on and on and on. We all know the negative stereotypes. And I'm just like, I wonder if you would, have, if you knew growing up that you were half Japanese and Hawaiian, like if you still would have become a Chad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, no, you're right. I get what you're saying. I, I totally. I don't know if saying. this makes sense, but like, yeah, it's like a preconceived I, notion of what those things mean because you didn't have that. You know, yeah. this like whatever it means to be Asian. Yeah, and I mean that's the thing too. Like, like I said, like Simi Valley is very like half white, half Mexican. So I didn't have. Not that like I'm saying that like I would have seen another Asian kid and been like, oh fuck, like you're my kinfolk, like you're like you and yeah. I like right. you know belong to each other, but. I mean, I didn't have any of those things like around me other than, yeah. you know, Toonami and Adult Swim and anime. You know, that was like my really first big sure. exposure to right. Asian, specifically Japanese culture. Um, and not to sound like an ignorant white boy from Simi Valley, but like I always loved all different types of Asian foods. Like I said, not that I grew up eating Asian food, but I was exposed to so much more growing up in a Hispanic household. And I learned mm-hmm. to like tripe and cow, like, like beef cheeks and tongue and, you know, like, yeah. like very bold, very ethnic flavors without ever having like any Asian flavors. So when I did start getting introduced into Asian cuisine and mm-hmm. I was doing, you know, sushi and a lot more traditional, like Eastern Asian cuisine, which I fucking, that's what really reflects on my food now that I mm-hmm. absolutely fell in love with because I love the flavors. I love the intensity. I love the brightness. Um, and I feel like barbecue is lacking a lot of that, but it gave me that, that, me- that Mexican food, that Latino household mm. gave me a lot bigger exposure than what it would have been if just growing up in, you know, Simi Valley and, you know, eating McDonald's and hamburgers every night and steaks. Right. I, don't, right. I don't really know what white well, people eat anymore. <laughs> I'm glad that you brought that up. I'm glad that you brought that up. Cause like one of the things that we wanted to touch on was like your food as a chef and um, it just seems like it does have a lot of Asian influence. Do you think that there's like this, like uh, there maybe that's how, cause like, I don't know if you know, but my ex-husband is adopted and he grew up just eating gotcha. white food and he knew he was Asian obviously, but like he yeah. only grew up eating white food. And he said sort of the same thing. Like he was always like, I was really drawn to like this Vietnamese restaurant in my neighborhood. And I was really drawn to like this Tex-Mex restaurant, even though that's not very authentic. And he was like, I I felt like that it hit me in a different way. And that's like what led to him becoming a chef. And I I see sort of like the similarities in your cuisine. Do you think that like, what are your thoughts on that? Like just being multiracial and how that, do you think that there's something there that there's this connection to the food that you had, even though you didn't know that you were Asian and uh, Hawaiian? I I definitely think there is, but I do remember there was a turning point when after like learning about Charles and like, you know, my background and everything, there was a point in my career where I started doing more research into Asian cuisine. Cause it was something that mm-hmm. now 
not only did I have a passion for, but I had a connection to that I had mm. always missed out on, you, you know, that I'd never yeah. been able to yeah. have. So, so I it's kind of like you know, a this, conscious decision as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's the same type of like decision I make for the rest of my food. Like, you know, and it, like back then, like the big name, at least in my mind that like when I was graduating, when all this was going on at 22, I was graduating culinary school. Like the big names were Granite Cats. It was David Chang. And I, and like all these other guys, you know, uh, Thomas Keller was still really big. You know, Jordan Kahn was here in LA. Uh, Jean-Georges Von Gretchen, which was always a big like fusion type of guy. These were the type of people I started being magnetized to because of their, the way they were executing flavors without muddying it up. If mm. that makes sense. I, they were, they were they, like, like take someone like George, George Von Gretchen, for example, who is extremely French, but he's doing at the time like true blue like you know vietnamese food even though he's mm-hmm. a white dude out of france because he did the yeah. research he did the, the like work he, he talked to people he learned the stories and that's something that I always took really close to me but then you have someone who was like mm-hmm. david chang who's mm-hmm. basically doing like korean food at a very high level so you had mm-hmm. these two mm-hmm. polarizing chefs who were doing two very different things but were also working towards the same goal and i absolutely like was fascinated by it yeah. If that makes sense. I know that was a very long <laughs> way around back to, no, the, back to the beginning. I'm like always, it's so pseudoscience-y, but like my mom would always say things like, oh, like Danny can like his palate is like a Korean person, even though he grew up only eating like cream cheese logs and stuff like that. I'm uncomfortable with it because it sounds a little like eugenics-y and like, yeah. you know, we no. like what we eat because of our race, but like, yeah. No, there, there was a study... Not a study, but there was a couple of papers and a couple of people that were talking about for a while. Just like on the, I call it the dark web of yeah. the culinary industry because it's like, if you go on Reddit <laughs> and you get yeah. all these different like message boards and stuff and like you can really, de- and this was before, you know, this was back in the day before Instagram and Facebook was big and all stuff where it's, everything's at like your right. fingertips. Like even though we had the internet that was at our fingertips, it was, yeah. it, you still had to do the footwork to go find out like information and recipes and all this other stuff. And there yeah. was people, and I think. So I think someone, ter- I might be wrong, but someone termed the coin like, like ethnic mirroring or like it, something to do with how your brain structure is wired specifically to food and your olfactory and your smells is like you're hardwired to like those things because your right. entire line of ancestors for the past, you know, 10,000 years all basically yeah. have eaten the same thing. All, yeah. all Germans have basically, especially in the last, you know, 150, 200 years when people yeah. weren't traveling as much, people weren't going all over the places. Because oh. you got to think, I mean, like 150 years ago, planes didn't fucking exist. Yeah. So yeah. Like, people ate the same, Koreans ate the same type of food in that structure, yeah. Japanese, Hawaiians, especially Hawaiians, because they never got off the island, you know? Yeah. And that's why I feel like America is such a melting pot. And it's a good thing and a bad thing because some of it does end up getting gentrified. Um, but it's also mm-hmm. a good thing because we pull so many things in and a lot of stuff's done really well, but then like a lot of stuff's really done half ass. And I just hope that like that barbecue and us, we land on the good side of it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, I guess that's what my follow up question would be is when as a chef and a, uh, a business owner in the culinary industry, like when does it become gentrification of a cuisine? Mm. I'm telling you right now, I'm trying yeah. really fucking hard not to do it right now. Because mm. it's, it's it's hard because we went and long story for a short story, we went from doing maybe, I mean, we hit a pretty, not dark, but a pretty slow time in, in mm-hmm. barbecue last year around like October to like January. And it was very, yeah. very hard. We were only doing like maybe like 1500, like, like $2,000 of revenue in a weekend, which is minute, like, like that's actually probably leaning towards how like to 
the high side. But there was like a couple mm. weekends in December where like Anna and I, we only made like 400 bucks a weekend. Mm. It was just like, fuck dude, like what are we doing? But yeah. having said that, when you're only doing 15 orders, I can hang ducks and do like traditional picking duck in my garage. I can do mm-hmm. spam musubi that I emulsify myself. I can do, you know, ramen broth for five days and not like cut corners on a half acid. Cause I'm only making those like 14 bowls of ramen. And those 14 right. bowls of ramen can be fucking fantastic. And I drive down to Little Tokyo to get the noodles. And, you know, I, I pit smoke the chasu, but then I, I braise it. It's like creating that fusion. You know, I'm sourcing the, the literally my, my buddy has chickens in his backyard that I'm sourcing like the seven minute egg from. You know, like the, the eggs are fucking right. blue for Christ's wow. sake. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that was a lot of fun and we were doing it. And we did, I would literally just like jump online and I would research like, like Taiwanese street food or Japanese street food or like I would even be like like what are they eating in Guadalajara right now like what's popular Mm -hmm. in in Italy right now like what are they like what are the kids into what are the kids eating on the streets you know and Mm -hmm. we would try to like replicate that through the eye of barbecue and it was a lot of fun and I learned a lot about like my style of cuisine and then January when the eat article hit we went from doing like like 15, 20 orders to now we're doing like 160 orders in a weekend. You know, mm. it just it just exploded overnight and we had to take a step back and I couldn't do the cool shit. I couldn't do the ducks. I couldn't do the spam as often. I couldn't do, you know, the crawfish ramen that I wanted to do because it's just mm. me and my wife and a fucking garage and a 500 mm-hmm. gallon cooker, you right. know. And so it's hard to perform at that level and get that mm-hmm. much food done while still making sure things are the way I want them to be. Like so there's like, do you think that that's the key to like, maybe as a chef, um, taking another culture's cuisine and executing it? Because I, I actually, I mean, that's what I think. I think there's no problem with anyone doing any kind of cuisine, you know, whether they're a white person doing ramen or whatever. But I think personally for me is like, and what I'm hearing from your answer is like, you, you want to make sure to respect it. No, 100%. Um, right. no, I, and I totally agree with that too. It's like, because at the end of the day, like perfect example, there's a fried chicken recipe that I use on everything. Like I used it on taste made a couple weeks ago. I, we did fried chicken sandwiches this last weekend. Like I, I literally use that fried chicken recipe for fucking everything and people love it. But I learned that recipe from a 75 year old black man in Louisville, Kentucky. Mm. And we won two back to back fried chicken championships in 2015 and 2016 with that recipe. Right. With like with that, and this is a recipe that he right. got from his mother and from his grandmother and stuff. And it's and it, honestly, mm. it's super simple. It, it's a brine. Mm-hmm. It's a super simple seasoned flour, but it just mm-hmm. hits different because we fry it with like dirty oil. There's a lot more steps that go into it than just like the yeah. chicken in itself. But mm. people fucking go crazy for it. But every time I use that recipe, whether it was on Taste Made, one of our menus, um, when we do it at Employees Only here in in, in West Hollywood, I yeah. always make sure that his name gets put on that menu first. It's, it's not mm. my chicken. It, it's Melvin Mallory's fried chicken because that's not my recipe. That recipe was gifted to me. And now I'm gifting it to like the rest of the world. And when that's we. That's the shit. Yeah. That's the shit that the we, white people are not doing, by the way. And that's I, why we're <laughs> mad at them. That's why people are mad at white people because you see like a chef doing some sort of tarshu bao whatever thing, yeah. and he's like, "I came up with this," and it's like, "Okay." It is, <laughs> yeah, and I'm it's just, it's hard. Like, yeah, it's hard watching that kind of stuff, and especially in the day yeah. and age too. You want to you want to watch your ass because like you don't want to be called out. You don't want to be that fucking person that gets dragged through the yeah. fucking mud and and you know basically being told that you're doing it wrong. And not mm-hmm. giving the due diligence because the due diligence needs to be given. And when we yeah. first started writing menus because of the where we live and because of the lack, not lack of culture, but the lack of ethnicities here in Simi Valley. In the beginning, before the eat articles and stuff, a big chunk of 
like probably like 90% of our business came here from Simi Valley. And so I felt it was like my responsibility that once we got out of underneath the cover of like barbecue to Mm -hmm. educate people and to kind of like, and even if it was just a little blurb underneath the item and then the descriptor and then the price, at least I'm trying to do my part to bring awareness to the community, to to educate the community on, on stuff that they would never have known before. Uh, Young and I want to thank you for joining us on the podcast and just sharing your story because it's so unique and it's a story of resilience. And I think that, yeah, it takes a lot of, um, self-discovery and processing and coming to terms with yourself to be at a place where you can share this part of yourself. Yeah. So young me and I want to thank you for your openness and your vulnerability. Absolutely. And uh, we want to leave you with the question that we ask all of our guests. And that is, what is something that you're proud of? Um, my daughter. Yeah. My, my, my I, kid, my little... I'm so sorry I have to stop you because this is feeling Asian <laughs> and I'm sure that she's a wonderful per- and you're proud of her but we yeah. have to we're trying to make the, the reason behind the question is because Asian people do not like answering it and they're like my daughter is a perfect she's a perfect human being but what is something about yourself that uh, I mean you're pro- you could say like if you if you mean like I'm a great dad do you know what I mean yeah yeah about I mean yourself, yeah no, I, I am really proud of the father I've become because when Anna got pregnant, we weren't going anywhere with our relationship. We weren't even together. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the relationship and the family that we've built out of nothing and now this business is something I'm very proud of. Mm. And like us as like a team unit. And like, and I'm very proud of the barbecue business. It's a pain in my ass a lot and it fucking, pretty sure I'm give, it's giving me ulcers, but I love it and it's doing really well. And we're finally getting the recognition that you know, I've strived for, for over a decade being mm-hmm. in the industry and, you know, being put up there with a lot of other big name barbecue people. And honestly, like being called one of the best new restaurants in California is fucking insane because I'm cooking with all white oak and out of a, a giant propane tank. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's wild. So I'm very proud of being a father and I'm very proud of being a business owner. That's so great. And that's, you know, it's so difficult. I feel like people this sounds cliche because people are always like, it's so hard being a parent and, you know, working, but it sounds like, yeah, (laughs) it sounds like you have like a very great family and an amazing business. And we are so happy that we got to talk to you today. Absolutely. Um, can you tell our listeners where they can find you on social media? Um, so Logan Sandoval, AKA your grandma's favorite grandson, AKA <laughs> Zef Hawaiian, Z-E-F underscore H-A-W-A-I-I-A-N. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can find us on Instagram. Um, I'm not very active on Facebook anymore because it's a cesspool. Um, our website is www.zefbarbecue.com. If you're in Southern California, you can find us on talk where we sell our, um, barbecue, which is talks forward slash, uh, Zeph barbecue. I think Amazing. that's it. <laughs> and what about you, young me? Um, my social media is YM mayor. You can find me at young me mayor on TikTok. Also, um, uh, yes. How about you, Brian? <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know how you, to do this still. It's been almost two years. You guys can find me on socials uh, at It's Brian Park. And be sure to follow us on social for our podcast page. Uh, we're on TikTok. We're on YouTube. We're on Instagram at Feeling Asian Podcast. And a quick shout out to our audio engineer, Sarah Puck. You can find her on Instagram at I am underscore P-A-K-T. So please reach out to her if you have any audio related projects that need to be mastered with her wonderful skills and wizardry. And that's it for us. Uh, Thank you again, Logan. And thanks to all of you for listening. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye, everybody.